What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one stage twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nevada, Bielitsa. Yes, we deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. But 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing exactly as good or bad as I was doing last time. I'm doing the same because we are recording this one five minutes later. Yeah, we got part two of our top 15 big board we're working on here. Um... And, yeah, I don't know how much there is to get into it. Do we maybe want to run through what we have that we covered in the last one a little bit here? Um, I went through eight of my top 15. You went through seven exactly in the middle there between the two. That's why we cut it off where we did. Do you want to kind of run through uh, your tiers in the seven that you've listed off? Yeah. uh, Mine has some hot takes, so make sure to refer to last episode for my rationalizations, but my top seven, as I've done so far, are Anthony Edwards, Devin Vassell, LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin, Killian Hayes, Onyeka Okongwu, Tyrese Halliburton. So that's one through seven on my big board. All right, yeah, and my one through eight, I have one, LaMelo Ball, two, Anthony Edwards, three, Killian Hayes, four, Devin Vassell, five, Onyeka Okongwu, six, Isaac Okoro, seven, Tyrese Halliburton, and eight, Denny Evdia. Um, unless you have anything else, I think we can just hop right into your number eight here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, was that, and in terms of tiers, real quick, was that an end of your two? No, you must have one more at least. It's not. I have two more in this tier. Okay. In that so, tier, so yeah, my top three, Lamelo, Edwards, and Hayes, is one tier, and then tier two here, um, I have two more people in it. You're still in the midst of tier two. Okay, I've got a little bit tighter tiers. I have Edwards, number one, and in a tier by himself, um, and. and I'll just say, like, I could loosen these tiers. I'm just trying to be – yeah, I'm trying to tighten them up because I, I, 
before I did have like an eight player tier. So yeah, uh, Edwards won. Then I had Vassell and Ball as my second tier. Then I'm about to finish my third tier, which so just going back a minute, Toppin, Hayes, Akongwu, Halliburton, and this final player in the tier, number eight, another spicy take. So, I mean, my spices aren't going to ever stop, uh, apparently, on my big board. Um, I have Cole Anthony here at number eight. Wow. those were I was going to say, so these are all floor guys, and then you drop Cole Anthony. Yeah. Uh, interesting, yeah. So, as I mentioned in the first one, I have everyone's floor and ceiling. Yeah, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, that, it's – I have – none of my tiers are, like, alone one or the other, really, except for the one with one guy in it. But, yeah, it's – it. this is one where his ceiling, Cole Anthony's ceiling, I think, is high enough to meet the floors uh, or, like, to compensate for the floor guys of Toppin, Hayes, Congo, and Halliburton. Um, definitely the lowest floor of this bunch. I would also say, yeah, 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 definitely the highest ceiling as well. Um, so, you know, I was actually very low on Cole Anthony when we first did our um, review of him. But over time, I've really listened to the, the people that disagreed with me, including yourself. You really argued that he could be um, – a high-level shot creator for himself, if even if not necessarily great for others. And I think there's value in that. I think, like, my whole thing with him is that he's – I think he can be the engine of a team. I think he can be the number one player on a team. Just the problem is that team is probably going to be pretty bad. Um, I think, like, he's going to – I still believe he's going to lead the Knicks to, like, five consecutive more losing seasons. Um I just think that he's – I mean, first of all, I think he's a good athlete. That's decent size for his position of point guard. Um, I think he's got a fantastic ability to create his own shot. And the shooting is pretty good, you know. I mean, even off ball, um, catching and shooting, I think it's pretty good. I don't think he's a good passer, which is problematic for a point guard. Um, he's also he's also like a, a strangely good defender. I like this player type generally isn't a guys in his kind of mold generally aren't good defenders. I think he's a very legit defender if he applies himself and he has applied himself a lot. Um, he's a strangely really good rim protector for six, three. Obviously it's not going to apply that much in the NBA, but he reads plays really well as a, as a defensive, as a help defender. So yeah, I, I'm just high on him. I, I think, like, his ceiling is really legit. Um, obviously, the floor is the guy that is high, super, super high usage and low efficiency and doesn't set up his teammates well. So, obviously, a very low floor there as well, but I'm just buying the upside. Yeah, this is the first one that I'm a, a good little bit lower than you. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see the upside. And it's funny because, like you pointed out, I was higher on Anthony when we first did the profiles, and it, it's flip-flopped here. Um, I guess starting a little bit with the defense, which obviously isn't the main thing. I do think that he does give good effort on the defensive end. I like a little bit of what's going on there on the ball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the value of being able to create space for yourself and knock down some of those shots is is definitely a premium in the NBA. I just don't know. 
I don't I don't know. I guess I just don't buy it is what it is because I agree with you that the ceiling is there, but I think similarly to a Coro, like I just kind of buy a Coro. I just don't with Anthony, and maybe that's just me putting too much into just how I really feel about the guys um, from watching them. But yeah, I mean to me, like I think Cole Anthony's gonna be like a Terry Rozier, which has okay value to it. Um, but like I, I just don't see him as more than a backup point guard because I don't know I don't see him doing that much off the ball. Like there's okay there's okay catch and shooting there, but yeah, I mean to me this is just like a high usage guy and it it's it's interesting because like you could say a lot of the same things about Anthony Edwards, who we have like one and two, but the athleticism difference, the size difference um, it, it's just very real there, and yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with you that the ceiling's there. I just don't think that he gets to it. Like, and I think the floor of him is like a Trey Burke, like you kind of mentioned. Like, I just don't. I, I don't know. I, a lot of it comes down to me just not buying it. Like, I, I see everything that you said. There's a nice first step. Um, you pointed out often. You know, this draft uh, going into the year, Cole Anthony was. Cole Anthony was up there, um, like very much up there. He was the top three, top five guy uh, coming out of high school, and there is concerns. It was a really crappy North Carolina team. So I, I get it. I just don't buy Cole Anthony. So it's kind of a gut thing for you. It is, and I don't know how I feel about that. Um, like, yeah, that that is kind of what it comes down to, and it's the same thing that it comes down to with the Coro. Yeah, I, I think that – Ultimately, the most important thing in the NBA is scoring points. Um, I know that's like a very, very, very reductive way to look at things. Um, and maybe in every other facet, Okoro could be better. Um, but the ability for Cole Anthony to create a shot and hit a shot, he is so much better at that than Okoro. Like, it's... That's their biggest – I mean, I wouldn't say their biggest difference because Okoro is a lot larger, a lot stronger, and a lot better of a defender. But Cole's – I think he's a legit – I think he can be a legit defender. So, like, the biggest gap in their games, I think, is that super basic, like, this, the most basic concept of, of what you look for in NBA players is, like, hey, can this guy generate shots and knock them down? Um yeah, I normally don't try to harp on those types of players. It's not my type of player. It's generally, I mean, that's why in the initial profile I was not into it. That's not my type of player at all. But in the NBA draft, I think it's valuable. I, I think he's probably, I don't know, like, yeah, outside of Edwards, I don't know that anyone, and maybe Hayes, depending on, how shifty he's going to be against NBA level athletes. I think he's like right there. I, you know, I think he's got a more complete shot making package than like Halliburton. I just don't think um, he's in the rim. I mean, and maybe that's the Carolina thing where they just had terrible spacing, but well, you don't think he can get to the rim. No, I think he can, but he doesn't finish very well. He doesn't finish very well, but that that, that is – I mean, you're, you're talking about, like, statistically. Right. 
Which I, I mean, I, that is a Carolina thing. Like that is like no one else was on that team. He was doubled constantly. Yes, yeah, um, the, the spacing, the spacing was so bad. The spacing was a joke. Um, if he's surrounded by an NBA offense with like three good shooters in it, uh, I, I think that he'll be totally fine there. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I see where you're coming from here, and maybe it's wrong, but it, it is kind of a field thing for me with Cole where it's such a wide range, and I just tend to lean on the lower side with him here. I actually don't even have him in this uh, tier two. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. Um, I Yeah, some people that I really trust still have him very high, you know, about like sixth on their board. So, yeah, I, I put this out there. Some people like, am I crazy for still being relatively high on Cole? And I'm not crazy high on him because, remember, there was a point where, like, he was absolutely a lock for top three, or at least we all thought that. So for him to fall to eighth I think is a reasonable fall, but I'm not going to I'm not gonna knock him out of this tier. I, I think that he – one thing you mentioned, you just see him as a backup point guard – that's the one thing that I would bank on. I think he's going to start somewhere. I would bet a lot of money on that. I don't think he he's going to be great at it, but I think like he's the type of player who is going to be, I mean, a starting point guard. Terry Rozier is a starting point guard. He's got paid, you know, whatever, $17 million a year to be a, a starting. Well, I guess he's more of a two-guard, I guess. It depends on how you look at that with Devontae Graham. Yeah. But and to he's going to be, gonna be like a starter. Yes, he he probably is going to be, but like, should he be? And to be fair, like I even thought of like Trey Burke. Like Trey Burke actually found a spot where he was really needed in Philadelphia. Like shot creation from guards is needed. Um, so I, I see where I see where you're coming from here. Like I don't think we're all we're that far off, even though there is a decent number difference. Um, I, I agree with I agree with most of your points here. I just don't think I buy it quite as much as you do. Yeah, I mean, I can't uh, argue against a gut feeling. Yeah, one of us is going to get a big I told you so with a Coral or Anthony here. Maybe we're both wrong and they both suck, but. That's interesting. I would love to track that going forward. Uh, definitely. Know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I got my nine here, yeah? Yeah, it's an end of a tier for me, so let's go back to you. Okay. You're still, still in that tier. I am. I have two more. And number nine here is a guy you had a lot higher than me is Obi Toppin. Um for most of the reasons you pointed out, he's going to come into the league and be a pretty impactful offensive player, um, a well-rounded package where, you know, he can step out and hit the three. He can be a pick-and-pop guy and then be an absolutely elite pick-and-roll player, finish above the rim. He's got both vertical and horizontal spacing to him. Um, again, a lot of my issue with Toppin comes down to what is he going to look like in a playoff series. You had a good point on the last episode that, a good coach will be able to scheme and hide him. Um, and, you know, I, that that is a really good point. I think that there's a chance that happens. I just am so terrified of Toppin defensively. Having him a little lower here is, again, probably me just having a preference on defense and placing a high value in that. Um, so, yeah. But, again, I have a fairly large tier here that I'll probably end up trying to break down a little more. And I'm doing a little bit in my head as we kind of talk through this. Um, but, yeah, I, I have Toppin sitting here at nine. But, again, it's not all too big of a gap from some of these guys I mentioned earlier. 
Yeah, my full thoughts on Toppin are in the first one. Um, we could just jump to your final guy in this tier, then I would think I'd have to go twice as well, but um, maybe in terms of tiers yeah. and considering that I discussed Toppin, um, I'll just say for anyone, I mean, definitely go back and listen, but I will say that I think that people are undervaluing how how much of a lock Obi Toppin is to be a positive offensive player. I think that's just so rare in this draft, but, but yeah. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. And then the last guy I have in this tier is James Weissman. He's 10th on my board. Um, as much as I, it's a guy I don't like, you can't deny the uh, the measures that you get with him, a 7-1, 7-6 wingspan. He's an athletic freak. He's pretty agile. And, I mean, Weissman is all about the ceiling that you're buying here. He has a decent motor to him. Um, you would be banking on him having a shot more than likely because, again, this is uh, or it, you know being able to hit corner threes per se because he's shown off a little bit of a mid-range. There is like a concern of a uh, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein thing where it's like, all right, you're clearly best around the rim rolling to the basket, yet you're settling for jumpers. But, you know, Wiseman, I think, again, like these tiers I had, it was to me like I could justify – taking one of these guys over another and say that Washington moved up to number four, I think they could totally justify taking Wiseman over Vassell or the other guys that we've mentioned in this tier because of the legitimate, extremely high ceiling that Wiseman has, even though I don't really buy it. Um, and and then the floor, like, he's going to be a rim protector at very least, and the athleticism that he has is going to do – uh, is going to help him out there. I think he could get exposed that he's on the perimeter, even though he does okay recovery there. But I think that the floor is not terrible for him, but also like the floor of just being a, what, below average like starting center is just not great in this league. Like, I mean, you, I, I hear Hassan Whiteside a lot. Um, and like, I guess he's a valuable player but he's also replaceable so I don't know like at worst I, I think he's going to be a player in the league it's just it comes down to the centers not being very valuable when you're talking about his floor and the ceiling for him is just ridiculous I don't buy it but I think that it would make sense for a team to take a swing at it yeah I actually have James Wiseman next on my list as well so it's perfect I have him ninth on my board um, and he also got, for me, I, I talked about in the previous episode that I did ceiling grades, median grades, and floor grades for everybody. He has, for me, he has the highest ceiling in this draft class. Now, he also has the biggest gap between his ceiling grade and his median grade, so, like, I'm not expecting him to achieve this ceiling whatsoever, and it, it feels less attainable than the average player's or that any other player's, uh, like, ability to achieve their ceiling. It just seems further from likelihood. But I think, like, it, it yeah, the frame is completely bonkers. The size is completely bonkers. 7-6 wingspan. I think you was the standing reach, like, 9-6 or 9 years, something crazy. Um, and, yeah, he's pretty traditional, um, and as far as what he's actually good at, 
I, you know, he's like, in other words, he's not a good shooter. He probably shouldn't shoot that much. If he does, that's great, and that unlocks a really high ceiling if he can, you know, just hit the occasional shot from the corner. Um, but even even without that, I think there's a high ceiling just as this monstrously large dude who is very coordinated and very um, defensively can be nightmarish to play against. Like, I don't think it's insane for him to be in, like, a defensive player of the year conversation if everything goes right for him. Could be, like, a truly elite rim protector. Obviously going to give you rebounding at that size that could be borderline elite. Uh, pretty good athlete for his insane size. Good athlete for his insane size. Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, I I think like in terms of a more average outcome, there is concern about him even being a starter level guy because if he doesn't make the right choices, if he becomes a poor decision maker, then you basically you can't be a starting center in this league if your decision making isn't on point. And it's hard to know if it is because you know he barely played in college. I think it was three games. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, he was the, the number one guy coming out of high school. So the potential is very, very, very high. Um, I, I don't think it's realistic for him to fall out of the top 10, even though draft Twitter would love to see that happen. Uh, I just think like you take, you take the home run swing on him. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward, you know, he, he just does what centers do and he could do it very, very well, but that's. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's valuable. Yeah, you know, one point that PD mentioned on the, uh, I guess not last episode, episode before, was that, like, part of the reason he thinks he gets taken in the top of the draft um, for, you know, multiple reasons is that, like, you just don't get fired or that much of a hard time for picking a guy that looks like James Wiseman. Like, I think everybody sees the ceiling, and – while there is a lot of skepticism and reasonable, um, I, I think that that's – I mean, like, just you don't get fired for taking a guy that looks like James Wiseman and has those athletic skills. Um, I And then Marvin Bagley comes into my mind as I say that. But, like, there's not a clear, like, Luca sort of thing. You know what I mean? No, totally. I I I totally agree with you. I think everyone's trying to find the Luca to Wiseman's Bagley in this draft, and it's not really there. Like, I think, I guess you could like talk about Killian Hayes or even Lonzo Ball in that way, where like you just say creation is so much more important than center play. But just to just to, just to point out, right, what he did do in those three games with Memphis. I mean. <laughs> It is pretty ridiculous. Like, it, like that. This this is absolutely why he will be picked, probably in the top three, quite frankly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, in 23 minutes a game, he gave you 20 points, 11 boards, three blocks a game. So like, yeah, it, the potential is insane. Yeah, to me, like, I, I just maybe I'm crazy. I don't. I don't think he goes to like to me. Like, he's going to Charlotte at three. And maybe I'm wrong, like maybe Colton State for some reason or whatever, whoever, someone trades up or LaMelo falls or Edwards falls and Charlotte takes that. But to me, like, 
that just makes so much sense. A team that needs a star, they have great role players and clearly needs a center. And, yeah, I mean, Wiseman's like the swing to make there. And I I don't hate the pick at three. Yeah, and I'll also just quick shout-out to Tony Zateris at the Kings Herald, who has a number one overall. I think that's bold. I think it's courageous. And I really, really respect it in a time where that's, like, really going against the grain it, just to take the guy that was – number one recruit out of high school who has given you no tangible reason to think that he won't fulfill that quite yet. Um, and basically like to take the side of how NBA franchises probably view him, which is like a, a no brainer top three, definitely no brainer top five type of guy. So yeah, I mean, I'm like a, like a legitimate, like if, if the Timberwolves didn't have cat, like with legitimate conversation for number one overall. So yeah. Um, I'm curious, cool. do you buy it? Like, do you – would you bet on Wiseman making – I don't know what's the way to word it, like being a top five center in the league? Um, yeah, I buy what it is, which is which is just a home run swing on a crazy high, like, physical profile guy. So, like, I don't think anyone is trying to sell him as a lock for that. Yeah. Um, so I buy him for what he is, which is like a potential top five center in the NBA. I mean, maybe closer to top ten, but yeah, yeah. no, I totally buy that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I can that, jump to my yeah, that's my tier. I'll just say perfect, perfect. So I know you did two in a row, so I can go next tier. So that was the beginning of a new tier for me, uh, Wiseman at nine. And the next guy I have in this tier, I think I have higher than consensus for sure. Uh, but not by a crazy amount. Um, I have Aaron Neesmith here. And, mm-hmm. and I I get it that I get that people are lower on him. I get that all he really does is finish plays. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the dude shot over 50% from three. He's got a big body, big frame. I think it's underrated how, you know, I, I don't think he's a great athlete in terms of speed and leaping, but I think he's very strong, you know, Probably about 6'6 with a 6'10 wingspan. That's nice. Uh, Real potential for 3D. I don't hate his defense at all. Some people don't like his defense. I think he is totally going to be, totally going to be an average defender and with legitimate chance to be a legit 3D, like a plus defender. Um, Not great, but like a good defender. Uh, I think that's totally possible. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I know it's, it's not quite the traditional concept of uh three and D guy. Cause he's so much more three than D, but there's a three and D player, um, at a position that is scarce and he is debatably the best shooter in the draft. Um, and quite frankly, I, I just think that you don't turn your nose up at a, completely ridiculous, sickeningly good, high-gravity, knockdown, off-movement, off-the-dribble, off-whatever, three-point shooter. You can shoot it in any format and and, and knock that down. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so I have fallen on Neesmith a lot the last couple days. And the difference we have is clearly the defense. Um, I'm more of a – I think that he's probably a negative – and I could see him being an average defender. 
and again, like there there are those tools. You mentioned the really positive wingspan that he's working with. I just didn't like what I saw. I think that you know he his closeouts are are pretty bad. Uh, he looks like a he understands the scheme, which is more than you can say for like a Buddy Heald, where he just kind of looks lost out there. That's not quite the case for um, for uh, Neesmith here. So I have more faith than I do in Heald. Um, but I just I don't know. I, I didn't like what I saw from him moving his feet. Um, I, yeah, I was not a big fan of, of closing out and off the ball. I, I don't know. I guess there was a little bit of playmaking there that was interesting to me, but that's definitely where we have our difference. And while he does have size to him, and that's probably the main difference um, in this upcoming question I have, but it's just like if he's just a shooter, which is kind of where I'm at with him, why, like, if that's the only thing he does, there's a lot of guys in the league that are like that. And, like, it's valuable, but who says that, like, Desmond Bain can't be that later in the draft or, you know, a a couple other guys? I think that, I, I don't know, like, I've started to really question, like, is this a lottery talent if the only thing he really can do is shoot? And albeit at probably an elite level, um, pro- more than probably, I just don't – I don't know. Like, and, and he has some variety to it, obviously, like aside from being off the dribble, which, again, like I, I really I, – I, I struggle to see what he does aside from shooting. I don't like when he puts the ball on the floor. I don't like his shooting off the dribble. Um, I, I am lower on his defense than you are. So to me, it's just like I don't know it where – his one thing he does is shooting. I've just really started to question if that's a lottery guy for me recently. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may still be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contact list delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees with their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Yeah, so the difference definitely is on defense for us. Um, I think that in this draft, that is a lottery guy. Like, a guy that, if you can say that, so let's just say, I mean, do you think that he is going to be significantly better or worse than Buddy Heald? As a player overall? Yeah, as a player overall, yeah. Yeah, I think he's worse. Like, I think that, you know, Buddy's off the dribble. Buddy can create a shot for himself pretty well. Um, and I just don't think Smith can do that at all. 
Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to be significantly worse than Buddy Hield. I think he's kind of right in that general area. Um, I'm low. I think I may be lower on Hield than you in general, anyway. But so yeah, Buddy can create his own shot a little bit. Um, I don't really want him to that much. I mean, it's fine. You know, if if he's, it's kind of like ISO healed, right? Where like that's kind of what he can do. Um, he doesn't do it amazingly well. He does it functionally. And and Neesmith can't do that. Um, Neesmith is like finishing plays. He is you got to set him up. Um, but I also think that Neesmith has a chance to be a much better defender. Uh, so I think Heald is a true like flaming negative on that side. You know, I think like he's a true like tank. I mean, you can hide him. If, you know, if you if you have one bad defender on the four, you should be able to hide that. But I don't think that's what Nesmith is going to be for you. I think that he can be a competent defender that you don't need to hide. Um, I like his size and his frame better than Heald's. Um, so I think, like, he's roughly in that range for me. The, the part that I'm really concerned with Nesmith is that I think he's a truly terrible passer. Like, I think he is, like, a not, almost like a black hole, you know, type of that's passer. That's the buddy Heald comp to me. Right, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's like I think that he's on that level. Um, and yeah, like I guess Heald does have more on-ball equity, but I, as a Kings fan, I've never loved Buddy Heald having the ball in his hands and not shooting anyway. Like, the only time I love what I'm seeing from Buddy Heald is when he's taking shots um, and finishing plays. So I think Neesmith can approximate that. He, I, I, I agree that he's not. Coming out the pocket, coming out the box, Buddy Heald, because then he would be probably like borderline top five in a very weak draft class. Um, but I don't think he's like a huge step down from what Heald could give you. So I just think that compared to guys like, I mean, you'll notice I have not put Okoro or Abdia on my board here. I would rather take a guy that is absolutely bankable a fantastic shooter, elite-level shooter, than a guy that is just going to struggle with that their entire career, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I see where you're coming from here. Um, I, yeah, I mean, while I have him lower on this big board, I, I do think that, you know, say a team like the Pelicans or the Blazers could – Really, I mean, I still wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the lottery, and I wouldn't hate it either. Um, yeah, I think just our difference comes on the defensive end there, and yeah, and the difference on the buddy comp is just I, I really I think that buddy does a good job creating space for himself. Um, and again, it is also shooting, but yeah, I mean that's a little bit of a different conversation. Yeah, I see. Well, sorry, I was on that point. Like he does. Like I agree with you, he does, but. Like, how much do I want that anyway? I don't know. Like, I mean, if so, there's this weird thing where, like, if you're bad at something, I mean, or if you're if you aren't good at something, and you're bad at the, the same. So, like, say say you're a a not great, uh, you're not great at creating uh, a shot for yourself. Is that that much better than just being terrible at it? If we if we just don't put the ball in your hands anyway. Yeah. Like, 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 I don't really want that. If you're not going to be good at it, I don't really care if you're terrible. It's just not how you do it. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, and he he's a guy that's like gonna have a role in this league. Um, and, and the size and, and that wingspan is like what makes me, you know, a little feel a little better about the defense than I do. Um, and like I said, I think he's smart. I just think he moves well on that end. Um, and yeah, a lot of it. Uh, I see where you're coming from. He's gonna be a role player in this league. Um, I, I just don't know, like, in a draft where, like, or in the draft, I think you're just kind of, like, betting on some guys, and it's probably me just betting on upside a little more. Um, Neesmith is in this next tier I have, and this next tier is just clear, like, insane upside bets, and then the really safe ones that you know what you're getting, and Neesmith's one of the latter. Yeah, I think a good example of decent value or like a decent comp for him in recent drafts like in this range so I have him 10th here like Cam Johnson was a bit of a surprise at 11 but in a much better draft last season and I don't know that he like was expected to do that much more than just be an absolute insane knockdown shooter and play decent defense and I think that's kind of like what you're getting from him and it people are happy with it yeah, I, I think that he could uh, – I, I, it would be not surprising to see him go in the lottery here. And, you know, shooting is probably a – I was going to say the most valuable, but maybe not. It's, it's one of the most valuable skills in the NBA, especially in the modern NBA. So I see where you're coming from there. Um, and so that was the start of a tier along with Wiseman for you, right? That's correct. And I would have – let's see here. I have only one other player in that. I'm happy to go again if yeah. you would like. And this is – yeah, go ahead. And this is 11 for you? This is 11 for me. Right, and what I, you got? I think it's another guy that you won't see coming here and might not even be in your 15. Um, it is Tyrese Maxey. Okay. Um, he's a guy that I think that you like this style of player. I, I don't know if you've backed that with your rankings, but – um, I mean, just a ruthless defender, um, an insanely good finisher, although he was not a good shooter this past season. Generally speaking, the consensus on him is that the shooting will be better. There are high school numbers and video that can back that up to a degree. And it wasn't, like, tragic, right? Um, he's not, like, a non-functional shooter. And plus, you know, like, Kentucky, no one ever shoots well anyway for whatever reason. Um, but good athlete, little small, a little bit of a tweener type of guard. But I just see the Marcus Smart in him. I, I see the dog in him. I see the winner's mentality in him. Um, I, I think generally speaking, like, he doesn't have a real weakness for his position or his size. So um, I like him here. I really like Maxi. I think whatever team selects him in the late lottery is probably where I'd guess he goes is, is going to be really happy with him. And, you know, maybe he even makes it out of that and gets into late teens sort of thing. Um, I agree with you. I mean, this is definitely the type of player that I really like. And while three point percentage has some concerns, I mean, 83% from the free throw line is promising. Like you said, there's this weird situation of like Kentucky guys, just not shooting it. Well, like you look at Devin Booker and I forget the more, uh, more recent example. Um, but, yeah, it, that's just a weird situation for some reason. And and I've come around. SGA think, would be one. Right, right, right. Um, and then, yeah, I've also come around to think that he is kind of a 
combo guard in the point that, like, I think he could guard twos. He's pretty strong. And obviously, like, there's some big twos in the league that he's going to have some issues with. Um, but I think that having the ability to bar- guard both of the guard spots is, is going to do well for him. He's great on ball and off ball defensively. He has a ridiculous energy to him. And, yeah, like you said, he's a he's a good finisher, and, and I buy the shot. I, I think Maxie's going to end up being one of the – I don't know if steals of the draft is right, but whatever team selects them, I think is going to be really happy with him, and it's one of these high-floor guys that I do have in my next tier here and in my top 15. Yeah, I mean, he has kind of fallen. I, I think, like, the intel from the pros has suggested he could fall, like, even out of the top 20. But, no, I, I'll i never worry about him in a defense, like defensively in a lineup. Like you mentioned, I, I think, you know, his wingspan's not bad. Um you know, it's not amazing for two, but he's also really strong, like super strong. Um, and yeah, I and just, he takes a challenge. Yeah, he's he's every like, I, and I don't want to invest too much in the whole like IQ slash mentality stuff, but everything I've ever heard from him is is super positive on that front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like PD pointed out last episode uh, that. You know, he's a guy that is getting extremely hyped up for his teammates' plays, even more so than himself, um, which you don't see with, with high-level prospects often. And just little things like that, you know, is like a fan base is going to fall in love with Tyrese Maxey for sure. For sure. Let's uh, get to your number 11. So that's the end of the tier for me. Okay. Wiseman, Wiseman, Smith, and Maxey. Okay. I know we only did 15, but this next tier I have about 11 to 17 um and yeah we'll only go to 15 here because I did cut it there but this is just like this here's so close to me um and again it's like these are major home run swing guys and then the safer picks and I kind of tended to put these home run swings higher um and the first one I put I put Patrick Williams here at number 11 a guy that I think you and I have come around to a little bit recently, he has an insane build to him, being the second youngest player in this draft behind Poku. Um, I think that you know he's flashed some off-the-dribble shooting that is extremely interesting. Um, there's you know obviously defensive versatility that you're getting from him with again his just ridiculous build that you're working with six eight and a six eleven wingspan. I'm buying the shooting um, with you know 32% from three. Is all right, and but the 83% from the free throw line is encouraging, and yeah, I mean the size he has and the strength he has, I think that he's going to be a really versatile defender. That again, one of these guys that I think is going to be able to switch a lot. He does have, you know, a lot of these like raw mistakes where you're getting travels because he's uh, dragging the pivot foot, almost like reminds me of a like early say like Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram sort of situation. Um, obviously not the level of those guys, but it's just rookie mistakes where you're just extremely raw, extremely athletic, um, where I think that he'll work those out. Um, and yeah, I mean, positionally extremely valuable, the size he has, and I buy a lot of what he's bringing. I think that it would be extremely wise for, you know, San Antonio to take a swing at at Williams at 11 or, We've mentioned Sacramento at 12. I, I really like the, the potential upside of Williams here. 
the position is so valuable. The size is so valuable. The how modern he is, um, defensively and well-rounded offensively too. Like he could shoot, he could protect the rim. Um, the length, the strength, it's all there for him. He's the youngest American in the draft. Um, so like talking about upside, it's massive. I actually have him in my top five in terms of ceiling. So that's that tells you a lot of how high I am on this guy. I will be talking about him today in my top 15, but um, I also have him, like just bar- he's barely in the conversation. I also have him, um, I also have his floor the lowest of anyone in this top 15. I think like the rawness that you spoke to, that's, you know, the 18 year old just turned 18, that the stuff cuts, cuts both ways. He does not, you know. I mean, he came off the bench uh, as a as a freshman. He uh, did not play well against good competition. Like his his worst games were against the best teams that he faced. Um, you know, I, I think there's a chance there's a bit of a mirage here where the size and the position and the the modern arch- archetype is a little bit of a mirage, and that's that was that ends up being his best trait. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was gonna say there's no elite skill. There is no elite skill. He's he's very very well rounded, and I he this is the type of player where I said that you can't you can't bake into play, into your rankings um, an unexpected progression like a, like you uncover a skill that wasn't there before. But if anyone's gonna do that, I think it would be him just because of the age, right? So like the age and and the ability for guys in his position to come around in those types of areas and how they'll probably, he'll probably be asked to do that um, and work on those things. And, and like that rawness, the turnovers, the weird travels and stepping out of balance and stuff like that stuff, we're hoping it just disappears, but it also might not. So I've got him like very high ceiling, very low floor guy. Um, and I'm, satisfied whenever I see him mocked 12 to Sacramento, but I'm also a little bit, a little bit worried too. Like I, I think he legit does have bust potential if he goes in the lottery. Yeah, I think he does. Um, and if you're okay with it, I'd like to go this next guy because I think it's, it's a very similar thing where it's just a complete boomer bust. Yeah, go for it. I have, uh, I have Poku. Sitting at twelve here, which is a you lot would, higher. You would previously. He has has, he has totally poisoned has. your mind. There's a major public hype going on right that's now. That's what the P stands for. PD. Yeah. Poisoned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, insane shooting potential from this guy. Um, off the dribble for a. Seven footer is absolutely ridiculous. The shot versatility that has doing it off the catch, like I said, off the dribble. Um, he has okay finishing to him. Obviously, the big asterisk on this is always going to be his weight, which is just ridiculous. Um, but I mean, he's he's a ridiculous in a bad way, right? Yes, yes, yes. Of course. What's he listed at? Two hundred one is what I'm seeing. I have the Ringer uh, draft board up here, and that's what I'm going off of. But yeah, that's what I've seen in a couple of places, like. Literally, I think that um, I was looking at, like, yeah, Cole Anthony is 190, and Poku's 201, and that's a 7-footer compared to a 6'3 guy. Like, 
Poku's extremely skinny. You would have to think he puts on a little bit of weight, uh, and maybe I'm wrong for thinking that. But yeah, like it's just such a it's such a unicorn. Like I actually think that maybe not the highest upside in this draft, but like it's really up there. And uh, you know, you're kind of betting on like a very high percent outcome for him, but the feel that he has in that you see in his passing is is pretty ridiculous and I wasn't a fan of the biggest flashiness but like pointing out to me that for all that he does like he doesn't turn it over that much and the the reads that he makes where he's just because he has this length to him he's just completely able to make skip passes where um there's one that stood out to me in the PD clip where you know, the clear pass was going to the top of the key from from the block that that guy would swing it to the corner. And with Poku's ridiculous length, he can just skip one of those passes and go straight to the corner. Um, he's extremely creative. Like, um, I, like, there's a lot that could go wrong with him. But I think that you can I, – I think that the shooting's going to be there. And I think that there's – okay weak side rim protection that you're getting from him because he also has good instincts and just an understanding of the game that shows on that end as well so like there's there's a lot that could go wrong with him don't get me wrong like I think that guards getting into his airspace while he's dribbling could be concerning but you would like to think that he'd be able to take advantage of that with this ridiculous length he has because and he also does have a decent handle to him um, like a, a actually good handle. It was it was interesting going through a lot of these clips. I was like, you know, this kind of reminds me of Bogdanovich in a way. Um, like he's a, he's a guard. It's super weird, but like this guy is gonna have the ball in his hands. Like it's insane to have a seven foot guy initiating a pick and roll. And I think that that's like what Poku's ceiling is. And this is 100% a massive home run swing. But I think that what that player could be is just ridiculous. Yeah, I am not with you. Um, I don't blame you. Yeah, I'm just not with you, man. I I think that draft Twitter has gone insane in the quarantine and just taking taking guys that they should not have considered and like put them like number one overall on our board and like we're legit seeing that with some some draft guys. I I think did PD have him number one overall? He did not. He had a uh, Lamelo, Edwards, and Hayes as his top three. Uh, it might have not been in that order. And then after that, he was just like, yeah, I think there's a massive group of guys where teams can justify going in a bunch of different directions. Okay. Someone that is highly regarded in draft I think it's Twitter. Cosmos, if I'm saying that right. Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's possible. I, I think like a lot of these guys are flirting with him, like in the top tier in tier one. So. I mean, and he's the guy that just like I don't I so let's just discuss a few things here. Number one, he played exactly one minute in the Euroleague. So like, just I know we're not calling him the next Luca, but just compare that to the MVP of the Euroleague, right? So like, it's a huge difference there. Um, a lot of this is grappling with the competition he plays against. A lot of the clips that we're seeing of him from draft Twitter, and I'm sure a lot of the stuff that you watched, a lot of the stuff that I watched, is, like, legit against, like, under 18, like, 
you know, small countries, like yeah. countries that are not known for generating a lot of basketball talent, don't have a super high amount of resources dedicated to doing that. Um, like, if he looks really good against the UK under-18 team or the Latvia under-18 team, like, I'm not really going to be like, okay, that's a lottery pick. Um, it's it's tough. Like, one point of comparison, Giannis came out of the same exact league that he's in, uh, Heba A2, I believe, or that could just be not pronounced as one word. It, it could just be all initials, H-E-B-A, A2. Um, and Giannis, like, I believe the exact number was like 67% on field goal attempts, and it was 70% on two-pointers. Um, and and Poku is like shooting 40%, um, you know, on field goals and just barely higher than that, like 42% on his two-point shots. Like even against that competition, yeah, it's but like yeah, it's 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 fascinating, but it's flashes. Generally speaking, it's not like he's even killing it at that level. It's it's flashes at that level, um, where Giannis was killing it at that level and got drafted later than we're we're discussing him right now in a better draft. Well, that draft wasn't amazing, but... Um, I think it's actually the draft that's super comparable to this one. Uh, I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably fair. That's probably fair, but so he went 13, I believe, or uh, Giannis went 13, and, and so, yeah, I, I don't... I feel like if that's a one-to-one comparison of league-to-league and draft to draft. I know he should have gone higher, but he's not his his production has not been nearly as good. Um and also Giannis had this like insane development of his body and Poku's gonna need that too, but he's gonna even need like a more insane development of his body. Like I am terrified of that. I, I'm I'm terrified of a seven footer that is so small, so slight that he's just going to get bodied by NBA-level athletes for years and years. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. Um, I I do worry about the defense. I am kind of like buying into the length of him a little bit. And again, I think that he has a good understanding of the game, um, a lot of it being you know, good rotations, which obviously he's going to have to be extremely quicker with at the NBA level. Um, and to defend, like, the field goal percentage a little bit, I think a lot of it is because he's taking stuff off the dribble and, like, he's he's doing these, these pull-up threes and, like, step backs and he's legitimately creating for himself um, from range. And I think that that's where I see a lot of the potential with him here where almost in a – Porzingis-esque way where it's like how is anybody going to block this this shot um, and you know it's he's a different player than Porzingis for sure um, but I, I just think that that's a little bit of what you're seeing there and and again the playmaking is what really gets me like if this guy gets a board and is able to take it in transition himself he's a quick decision maker um, I, and yeah there's just something about almost in like a lamello way where it's like, how did he even come up with this idea to go for this? And it works out. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And that just does that 
just against NBA level um, IQ guys and awareness, athleticism, reaction time, and all that. It doesn't work, but some of them I just don't even think NBA guys would see it coming. And yeah, I, I think the creativity and just maybe I'm just enamored by like the complete uniqueness of this prospect. Um, but yeah, again, this is like a super upside swing, and I think a team that should focus on the future and getting young. Again, we mentioned Patrick Williams, like the youngest American in, dra- in the draft. Poku is the youngest player in the draft. Like I think it, like some teams should should take a swing on him, you know, late in the lottery or like late teens that either, you know, has a core that they're just waiting for in the future and can wait out a potential talent like this, like I've mentioned, New Orleans, or, you know, I've really come around to Sacramento needs to focus on the 2021 draft and get young around Fox. And I think that's kind of why I've maybe uh, gotten into the Poku Hive a little bit here. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. I guess, yeah, I guess TD just convinced you. Because I know we we were all, you and me and, uh, I mean, even Brian and Nate, like we were all pretty much in the same spot, like around 20th for him. We're going to have to check with Brian, but I think he might have come around too. I don't know about that. Uh, It's just tough, man, because, so here's, I was trying to look at the guys, thinking about the guys on your list and where you've put them compared to Poku, and something just sits wrong with me in terms of there seem. I think that you are making a mistake by putting a guy who no one had heard of that has not played against high-level competition that just by looking at him, you know there's going to be really serious problems that he has to overcome over Cole Anthony, who is a number two, was like, you know, top two, like expected to be a number two pick, number one pick at times. Like projected in the beginning of this year, like I think if you look at Vicini's first mock draft, like Cole Anthony number one um, out of high school, like just a stud. Um, And yeah, like, he didn't have a good year on a very bad team, but he is so built and so prepared for the challenges of American basketball at this level. He's played against all these guys for so long. I mean, to to take a guy that it, it is such a mystery that that has such obvious deficiencies that you and that you've never seen, and to think like. I think that he's a better prospect than the guy that we all thought was 
a super elite prospect a few months ago. It's like, I just don't, I can't get there, man. Yeah, I see where you're coming. And I have Cole Anthony right after. I have Cole sitting at 13. And again, like this tier, is, it's really going to depend team to team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I totally see where you're coming from, but it, it's like the talent, it's the skill of Poku. And, like, I get he's doing it against lower-level guys, but I just think that the the playmaking that he does show off and the the step-backs, the creation for himself at this ridiculous length, the the touch um, that he has from range, yeah, I've just – I've been talked into it, man. And, like I said, I have Cole right after here, and I have those three guys as, like, my crazy upside home run swings that I think could just also flop. Um, and you kind of talk me into like maybe Cole doesn't flop as much as these other two, um, and, and that's probably where the difference is if I if I do this over when I'm sure we will eventually. But I don't have them that far. I I just think that like I think that ceiling of Poku is is a good bit higher than Anthony's. Man, I can't. Yeah, I mean you acknowledge that like the floor is zero. On Poku, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I just I I don't know. I'm 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 still trying to recover from this one, obviously. I I I respect it as like a, a home run swing, but you've got him in territory where the Kings would be picking him. Um like he could be BPA. I I think what do you think about the, the concept of like things swinging towards European favor, like that Luca has worked out and he's worked out so well that everyone's like, okay, well, Denny Avija, like people have him like top two. Uh, people right. have Poku number one. Like, Killian. is it, yeah, is it, yeah, like people, like people have Killian number one, like a lot of people do. So is, do you think there's any chance that that has gone a little too far here and it might come back towards the middle? Uh, Maybe, but like I think that, you kind of see that for a little while, like you think of Hazonia or Dragon Bender. I think these guys are just kind of around. Maybe it's more so now, um, but there's also a lot of really good European guys in the league. Like look at Jokic, Nurkic, um, both the Bogdanovic, Dragic, everything that ends with itch. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of really good European guys in the league, so maybe Dunks. it's gone a little too far. Yeah, but there there is like legitimately a lot of really good European guys in the league too. No, I'm not questioning that. I'm saying in terms of how we're valuing them right now in the draft, because gent like Jokic, you mentioned like went in the 40s, like you know Giannis yeah. went went after where you've got Poku ranked right now. Like I I just wonder if the success of those guys is not hyping these guys up. Um, and Denny has like Denny has way more polish than than Poku, so I just it like we're really going off of like mixtapes on Poku for the most part, um, and I just don't know, man. I, I can't get there with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. I don't blame you. Um, it's extremely raw, and a lot of it has to do with just being a super young age. Um, so, yeah, I've just – I've bought the skill level that's just ridiculous and so unique being a guard um, set of abilities at seven feet. Yeah, I – the last thing I'll say on him is that 
it's great if you've got guard abilities at seven feet. You also have to have big man abilities because like that's actually going to matter. I'm sorry if you're, you're it's, unless you you know unless the Denver Nuggets get you, you're not like they're not starting five seven footers. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, uh, we, we'll move on. I, I, I gotta listen to that PD uh, breakdown and read his super long breakdown as well on him and and get into all that. But I just I'm gonna always, like I said from the very beginning of this podcast in part one, I'm always going to be playing it a little bit safer than most, and so I definitely definitely do not have Poku in my top fifteen. Although I will say he's not far outside of it. Okay. And then I also out of myself, I have Cole at 13 there. Um, and I know I think I just listed off three in a row, actually, before you got one in. But Williams, Poku, Cole are my three just big upside swings in this next tier. And I think I said I have 17. But, yeah, no, I, like this is probably a really big tier. There's probably like 20 guys. Or, um, I'm sorry, down to 20 in this tier. It's probably like nine guys when I'm thinking, like, I've, yeah, th- this is a this is a big tier you're working with here, and it's really going to depend. Like, you know, Portland's going to take more of a safe guy. Um, it, it's just really going to depend on the team here. All right, so the I got only one guy left that you have not talked about on my top fifteen, and I'm going to get to him right now. He's number twelve, and it's going to be a very interesting comparison to Poku, who is like the ultimate home run swing. This is the ultimate safe pick. I have Sadiq Bay. Number twelve, and like I said, I'm just favoring favoring a floor more than most people are. A lot of people just listing their fifteen most upside players um, in their in their top fifteen. I'm definitely valuing floor. Sadiq Bay, I think I was lower on you for a long time, worried about his athleticism, but at the same time, like guys who can get it done, get it done. And although I don't think he's a good athlete. He, you know, he guarded one through five this season. So, like, how bad is he really? Um, he's a knockdown shooter. He's a very – he plays a very valuable position, 6'8", height, 6'10", wingspan, uh, 2'16", might be a little bit a little bit even heavier than that, um, depending on when that listing came out. Like, I mean, really an excellent shooter. I mean, really an excellent switchable positive defender. Um, older, but also from like a program in Villanova from Coach Jay Wright that produces solid hits. Like I don't think he's going to be a star. We know he's not going to be a star. Lowest ceiling of anyone in my top 15 for sure. But like really, I think up there with the highest floors as well. Um, you know, his IQ can overcome his athleticism issues. I think that's possible. And, uh, yeah, so I, you know, ultimately, like, it's not hard for me to, even though he's not going to be a star, not hard for me to see him being, like, a starter on a very good team, even if he's, like, the fifth best starter on that team. For sure. I mentioned Portland. Like, to me, like, this is Portland. I I, I would struggle to see Sadiq Bay getting past Portland. I, I think it could happen. Um, but, yeah, like, a guy that, you know, again, wing defense is really valuable in the league. I think that he's not going to be a guy that's stopping these elite guys because of that athleticism. And that's where it's going to hurt him where, you know, as much as they like the switchability, obviously he's not staying in front of, in front of Dame or even in front of say PG with his first step or something like that. And, you know, maybe he can uh, on some possessions, but a majority of the time, I think that's where it hurts him. But 
again, yeah, there is this is a legitimate three and D guy because there is something you're getting on the offensive end. Um, and while the shot is like for sure going to translate, I think there's also other intriguing parts of his offense. A little bit of playmaking, which I don't think you ask him to do, but you know, just attacking a closeout and making decisions from there, I think he can do at an okay level. And like you said, I mean, Villanova produces a lot of guys that are able to come in and be impact players pretty quickly. Um, Sam Bassini had a really good interview with Sadiq Bay that he posted on his podcast, which has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts, um, by the way. And, you know, Bay seems very open to accepting whatever role is given to him. He credited Villanova for placing players in a lot of various roles, and that's part of the reason that he believes guys are able to come in and have success. And, yeah, I, I feel very good about Bay coming in and being an impact player pretty quickly and for a long time in this league, although the floor is low. He uh, he does scrape my 15 here. Yeah, I – yeah, there's no surprise to me that he's in your 15. I would have been surprised if he wasn't, though it would have been surprising if he was much higher than this for either of us. Um, so I will just move on. I think we're getting close to the end of the episode. We've discussed a lot of these guys. I think you might have one guy. Maybe one guy we haven't talked about. Yeah. My final three are guys we talked about. I'll just I'll run through my next two, so I think we can do them together. Um, my 13 and 14 are guys that we've talked about in length, uh, and this is where I have slotted Okoro in of the 13, 14 in that order. I know it's really low. I know it's probably lower than anyone else that I've ever seen or ever heard. Like, I, there's a few. There's a few out there that I've seen particularly with Denny just not buying it. Um, but, yeah, like, just to recap but our thoughts, my thoughts from the first part of this episode or for part one of this episode, um, I like a, a lot of kind of the well-roundedness, but I see legitimate problems with their game, and if they don't solve them, like, everyone above them on my list has a more bankable skill, in my opinion. Um, so well-roundedness, well, has less holes in their game. Uh, well, it, it's debatable. I, I would say either or, right? Like, so you look at a guy like Neesmith has, like, a much more obvious best skill than either Coro or Denny. And then you look at guys like, um, yeah, no, I, I would say, I would say that. I would say, like, there's a more bankable path to, to why they're valuable than the rest of these guys. Yeah, I mean, for Okoro specifically, and Okoro has kind of been my crush for a while now, um, like, I, I get what you're saying. I just kind of think that, and again, go back to part one, we talked about these guys a lot. Um, I, I think that Okoro has a lot of ways on offense that he is impactful. And obviously, a low-uses guy on offense, the shot is the most valuable thing, and that does need to come around for him to be a positive on the offensive end, probably, at least, like, on a on a – somewhat respectable level, right? Um, but, again, like the athleticism, the playmaking that he's getting, I think he could be a role man. Um, both of these guys, when you do get them in transition, are going to be valuable that way. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we've gone over why we have our differences here. I am surprised exactly how low you have them. Um, would you Would you understand, you know, a team taking these guys top ten at the same time? Even yeah, higher. for sure. Uh, and I, I, not only do I understand it, I accept that I am probably wrong. I just, I have to take my stand here, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I will learn from that, and I'll improve my 
my process going forward, but I just – I don't – like, I just think the likelihood that Okoro is MKG is just so much higher than the likelihood that he's under Iguodala. Yeah. I respect it. I respect it. And those guys are uh, – what was it, 12 and 13 for you? 13, 14. So they're both in my lottery still. But Okay. And then 15 the for you is what? Um, Patrick Williams. So this is a guy that we just talked about, so I won't get into him too much again. But the the ceiling gets him into my top 15, and the floor keeps him at the bottom of my top 15. Okay. Yeah, um, I mentioned 11 Williams, 12 Poku, 13 Cole Anthony. 14 here I have slotted Tyrese Maxey, a guy that we mentioned earlier in this episode uh, I think we both really like. I think whatever fan base ends up with him is going to absolutely be in love with him. He's going to do a lot of the intangibles on the defensive end, an extreme hustle guy, um, someone that just fits my uh, type of player, and I wouldn't be surprised if I dived into him even more if I ended up moving him up a bit in this. Um, and then 15, yes, I have Sadiq Bay sitting here um, that we just talked about in good depth. And the only guy that you do not have in your 15 that I do is Poku, and the only guy that you have I don't is Neesmith, I think, right? Yeah, that's interesting. And we have them kind of in the same-ish spot. I wonder, I mean, if we're mm-hmm. if we're trying to find, like, bets on, uh, I think, like, we did Cole Anthony versus Okoro. We could also do, like, Neesmith versus Poku. Oh, and, God. And we'll see, man. I mean. Oh, shit. We, we'll, I mean, pro- we'll probably split those, and one of us will be right on one and wrong on the other. Yeah, I mean, they're just so different players there, yeah. And, and again, like, I probably, you know, just to throw other names that I probably have in this same tier that we won't get into right now, but I have, like, Kira Lewis, Precious, Neesmith, RJ Hampton, Jalen Smith. Again, where it's just kind of like, what do you trust your team to um, to develop, and what do you need to develop if you're willing to take a swing on a Williams, Poku, Anthony, uh, Precious, Hampton, um, or is there a hole that you want to fill with one of the safe guys with Maxi, Bay, um, Jalen Smith, or say like a Kyra Lewis, who I think is a good middle ground of both, and maybe I end up moving him up or something like that. Um, but, again, like, that's a pretty big tier for me. And, again, like, I think you could justify any of those guys really going over the other. Yeah, I have – all those guys you mentioned, I think, are in my next, like, eight dudes or, or so. So in my next two tiers. So they're, they're, And I have tighter tiers than you. So, yeah, um, yeah totally understandable to have uh, – I think Hampton is probably the one I'm lowest on. But, yeah. Yeah, that he's – yeah, he's interesting. He's interesting for sure. Um, but at some point, I'm sure we'll expand this and update it. Uh, maybe we end with going one final run through. I'll do my 15 here. I have Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Killian Hayes, Devin Vassell, Onyeka Kongwu as top five. Then I have Isaac Okoro, Tyrese Halliburton, Denny Avdia, Obi Toppin, James Wiseman makes ten. Patrick Williams, Pokusevsky, Cole Anthony, Tyrese Maxey, and Sadiq Bey makes 15 for me. I Just my impression of that, I think that's very, very close to consensus. To, it's not, to, it's to not far off. Yeah, it's really not. Who do you think is the player that you were, like, furthest from consensus on in the top 15? Um, hmm. 
That's interesting. I almost – it's not in the top 15, and it's because, like, I talk myself out of moving this guy up all the time, but, like, it does seem to be precious because, like, I almost – like like I said, I have him in this tier. Like, I think I could actually talk myself into putting him at 11, and I think that would be crazy uh, compared to most. Um, it's probably – hmm – yeah, you make a good point. I'm pretty close on all of these. Maybe Obi. Like, I, I really feel bad about Obi's defense. He had him nine. Eight, yeah. Which isn't that far off. Yeah, not not that far off. Like Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um I envy how close to consensus you are. I like I talked about my conservative nature and wanting just to play things safe like part of me wanted to not reveal this list of like crazy takes that I have um but yeah I I that's my list man that's my 15 I'm sticking with it Anthony Edwards one the cell two ball three top and four Killian Hayes five Onyeka Okongwu six Halliburton seven Cole Anthony eight Wiseman, 9, Neesmith, 10, Maxi 11, Bay, 12, Okoro, 13, 14 is Avija, Patrick Williams at 15. All right. Well, this was fun, man. I, I We actually were not all too far off on guys, probably aside from, like, Denny and Okoro. Um, you know, for the most part, we were somewhat close here on a lot of them. Yeah, somewhat close. I think we... We, we we got some arguments on Poku, we got some arguments on Cole Anthony, Obi mm-hmm. Toppin, and then definitely Koro and Avija. I also just tracked where we, like, as a, if we average out our ranks, I ha- actually have our top ten as a consensus here, if you want to hear that. Yeah, what do you got? Anthony Edwards, one, LaMelo Ball, two, Devin Vassell, three, Killian Hayes, four, Onyeka Okongwu, five, Obi Toppin, six. Tires Halbert in seven, and then tied for eighth is Okoro and Wiseman, and Denny Avija tenth. Nice. Yeah, I definitely don't mind it. Uh, I think I noticed I definitely have a defensive preference, which um, I already knew going into this, and I, I would say I think that you lean towards the higher floor guys a little bit. Correct me if I'm wrong there, um, understandably, in this draft. But, yeah, I mean, we're going to keep doing content on this, I'm sure, and so are the guys at the King's Herald. So definitely be sure to check out the site there and subscribe to their Patreon to support independent King's coverage and subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. Leave a five-star review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. 
Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.